The epistle to be read for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is taken from St. Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 11. O the depth of the riches of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God, how incomprehensible are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and recompense shall be made him? For of him, and by him, and in him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 28. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Going, therefore, teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even to the consummation of the world. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Going, therefore, teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Words taken from today's gospel, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends, this morning I would like to begin by telling you a true story that took place during the Second World War. The story was first told by a Catholic priest and military chaplain about an American fighter pilot, a tragic accident, and the baptism of desire. The American fighter pilot was a man named Arthur Jared, and Arthur Jared was an unbaptized catechumen. That is to say, he was a man who had never been baptized but who was preparing to be baptized and received into the Catholic Church. Arthur Jared had been receiving instructions in the faith from a Father McNamara, an army army chaplain. His baptism was already scheduled, but on the morning of the day he was to be baptized, he first had to take his plane up for a military salute at the burial of four Canadian soldiers. It was nothing out of the, uh, nothing unusual or out of the ordinary, but after a few moments in the air, Arthur Jared's plane suddenly began to fall. And as it fell, its speed increased until it crashed into the ground and burst into flames. Arthur Jared died instantly. He died without having received the sacrament of baptism for which he was preparing. He died without the indelible mark that baptism prints upon the soul. He died without having actually been received into the Catholic Church. And yet, in spite of this, my dear friends, he was buried from the Catholic Church with a requiem mass, and all other rites and blessings of a Catholic burial. At the burial mass, Father McNamara, the military chaplain at the base, the very priest who had instructed Arthur Jared in the faith, and who was to baptize him on the very day of the accident, 
explain to the congregation the reason why the dead officer was permitted to have a Catholic Requiem Mass, despite the fact that he had not been baptized. Speaking of the previous Sunday morning, the chaplain said, After my Mass in this hall, when I was packing my Mass kit, Arthur Jared stood by me. He was looking forward to his baptism the next day. He then picked up this crucifix. He clasped it very tightly in his hand. He then looked at me and he said to me, Father, this is the sign of salvation. This is the pledge of eternal life. Father McNamara then went on to say that Arthur Jared had determined to do all that Christ demanded. And today he was to have been baptized with water. But Christ instead accepted the desire he had. The account recorded in today's gospel, my dear friends, are among the last instructions given to the apostles by the risen Christ before his ascension. Thus he said to them, Going therefore teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And by these words our Lord commanded the apostles and their successors in the episcopacy and the priesthood to go forth throughout the whole world to teach all nations the one true faith and to baptize all men who accepted the truth and to do this until the very end of time. And when our Lord said baptize, he meant they were to baptize with water. He made then the sacrament of baptism a sacrament necessary for salvation. And he made baptism the greatest sacrament after the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. For the water that flowed forth from the pierced heart of Christ on Calvary, together with his blood, stands for the sacrament of baptism as the blood represents the Holy Eucharist. These are the two greatest sacraments. Baptism is a sacrament which cleanses us from original sin, as well as all actual sin and all temporal punishment due to sin, if one should be baptized as an adult. Even as the sacrament of baptism infuses sanctifying grace into our souls, making us children of God and giving us the right to go to heaven. The sacrament of baptism imprints finally an indelible mark or a spiritual character upon the soul. Baptism is so essential a sacrament for salvation that anyone with the use of reason even heretics and unbelievers may, in case of most urgent necessity, 
provided they intend to do what the church does, validly baptize anyone who is in danger of death. Concerning the necessity of baptism, the Council of Trent infallibly declared that if anyone shall say that baptism is optional, that is not necessary for salvation, let him be condemned. But if all this is true, my dear friends, and it is, how then was it possible for Arthur Jared, the catechumen, or those like to him, to possibly be saved without having actually received the waters of the sacrament of baptism? The answer, my dear friends, is what we call the baptism of desire. Let us look now at church teaching and the teaching of church fathers and doctors concerning the baptism of desire. First of all, the Council of Trent, which was held from 1545 to 1563, and its decrees on justification infallibly stated that the translation from the state of sin to the state of grace, since the promulgation of the gospel, cannot be effected without the labor of regeneration or the desire thereof. Now, by these words, the council means that the actual reception of the sacrament of baptism or the desire to receive the sacrament of baptism, which is the labor of regeneration, justify a person and thus put them into the state of sanctifying grace. The actual Latin text used by the council is so simple yet so precise that it can have no other meaning than this. And thus the teaching of the baptism of desire is contained in the infallible decrees of the Council of Trent. It is a dogma or a truth of faith that we call in theology a teaching which is proximate to the faith. To knowingly and deliberately deny such a teaching is to commit a mortal sin and to be suspect of heresy. But the practical application of this teaching of the Council of Trent on the baptism of desire is found in the official catechism of the Catholic Church. There is an official catechism of the church. There are many catechisms that have been published through the centuries, but there is one official catechism that is promulgated by the authority of the church. We call it the Roman Catechism. It is above all other catechisms approved by the church. 
It is more commonly called the Catechism of the Council of Trent because the Council of Trent ordered that it be written and published under the direction of St. Charles Borromeo, a saint, a bishop, and a great theologian who was personally present at the Council of Trent. The Catechism was completed in 1566. It was promulgated for the whole church by Pope St. Pius V. And in the Roman Catechism, we read the following words. Quote, Should any unforeseen accident make it impossible for adults to be washed in the salutary waters, their intention and determination to receive baptism and their repentance for past sins will avail them to grace and righteousness. Unquote. Was not this the case, my dear people, of Arthur Jared? As the chaplain, Father McNamara, said, Arthur Jared had determined to do all that Christ demanded. And today he was to have been baptized with water, but Christ instead accepted the desire he had. Thus he was treated as though baptized, for he was justly supposed to have been conformed to Christ and united to him according to the teaching of the Catechism of the Council of Trent by the baptism of desire. According to the teaching of the Catechism, then, Arthur Jared's intention and determination to receive baptism and his repentance for his sins availed him to sanctifying grace and righteousness unto salvation. Furthermore, this doctrine of the baptism of desire is a teaching that was taught by doctors of the church both before and after after the Council of Trent. Among these are St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Robert Bellarmine, and St. Alphonsus de Liguori. In fact, St. Alphonsus de Liguori most clearly writes in his Moral Theology, which is the standard moral theology text used, at baptism of water in itself or in desire by divine institution is necessary for salvation. You see, my dear friends, the teaching of the Council of Trent and fathers and doctors of the church is clear. As far as the practice of the church goes in regard to the baptism of desire, we find it expressly stated in the Code of Canon Law. Canon 1239 of the 1917 Code, which is the law of the universal church, and being the law of the universal church, it is protected from all error by the second mark of the church, which is holiness. 
Canon 1239 of this code says that those who have died without baptism cannot be admitted to Christian burial. But then it goes on to say in paragraph 2 of Canon 1239 that catechumens who, through no fault of their own, die without baptism are to be reckoned among the baptized. That is to say, it is supposed that they met death, united to Christ through baptism of desire. And thus, according to the law and practice of the Catholic Church, Arthur Jared, a catechumen who through no fault of his own died before being baptized, was rightly given by Father McNamara a requiem mass and all the prescribed prayers and rites of Catholic burial. The doctrine of the baptism of desire, my dear people, is not erroneous. It is not heretical, nor is it liberalism or modernism but rather it is the teaching of the Catholic Church which has been taught down through the centuries by fathers and doctors of the Church. It is contained in the infallible decrees of the Council of Trent and the Roman Catechism and in the Church's universal code of canon law. Therefore, my dear friends, those who oppose and deny the doctrine of the baptism of desire oppose and deny the teaching and the practice of the Catholic Church. Even as they oppose and attack the justice and the mercy of God. For God does not and cannot command the impossible. God does not nor command the unreasonable. And thus in the extraordinary case of Arthur Jared and those like to him, there is according to the teaching and practice of the church a way to be saved without having actually received the waters of baptism provided it be through no fault of their own. This does not minimize the importance of the sacrament of baptism. Rather, it reveals to us the gentle heart of our crucified Savior and the enlightened teaching of His Holy Catholic Church. May we who have the one true faith ever profess our belief in all the teachings of the Catholic Church, even as we commend to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary, the destroyer of all heresies and errors, those who deny or doubt the teachings of our holy Catholic faith, and those who deny the Church's teaching of the baptism of desire. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.